0: Blog Talk Radio by a touchdown or more, but that they won that
1: game relatively easily. They want to go on a and I don't think a lot of people would have expected that. So all these teams go into... Uh,
2: Super Bowl the strong. Are you surprised that Baltimore was able to uh, win all three games to get to the Super Bowl? Granted that they did go, what was it, you know, into Denver with freezing cold temperatures. Yeah. Into Boston or New England, essentially. And ultimately stopped the, uh, arguably, the two best quarterbacks in the league.
1: Yeah, well, um, you got to give a lot of credit to,
2: either their defense, which has
1: held up surprisingly well. I mean, they have been very inconsistent this year because they are getting older. Their key players are getting up there in age in the twilight of their career. And you know what? Uh, he's gotten a lot of hate because he's not the flashiest quarterback. He doesn't put up huge arms. But Joe Flacco, he wins, and he wins big games. He's won playoff games every year of his uh, still relatively young career. And you know what? And he's a heck of a deep ball thrower. I mean, like I said, it's not pretty, but he gets the job done. He gets the job done pretty well. It's
2: interesting how uh, Baltimore is the wild-card team. Seems like a wild-card team always gets into the mix with these NFL playoff situations. Uh, the Giants, when they beat the undefeated Patriots a few years ago, was a wild-card team. I believe New Orleans was a wild-card team when they won the Super Bowl. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But Baltimore, able to use their defense, and they're not necessarily the youngest people uh, in the league as well, but uh, what makes Baltimore so lethal, I think, is they have a good defense, solid core defense, much like San Francisco has, but they sort of remind me of that, um, that Pittsburgh Steelers team that won the Super Bowl a few years back, ironically, in the same division. Uh-huh. They have a solid defense. With like Pittsburgh had Paul Malu, Woodley Harrison, and, uh, of course, this defense with Suggs, Bay Lewis, and Ed Reed. Then their offense, they have Flacco has uh, numerous weapons, very diverse wideout. Uh Who's who's their tight end that they always hit? Dennis Pitta. Yes, he starts of like a Heath Miller in a way. Yeah, And then you have um, Anquan Bolden,
0: yeah.
2: who has done very well in the postseason, mm-hmm. and uh, Jacoby Jones and Torrey Smith, and then Ray Rice, who's one of the best running backs in the league. But we won't be going to our Super Bowl predictions yet. But I can, I I, I will be the first to say that Baltimore most likely will win it. I feel that when you beat. We go on the road twice and beat the, one of the two of the many best teams in the league with two great quarterbacks, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and sort of carry this wave of momentum. It should be interesting how it uh, all phases out in New Orleans. But something that didn't phase out was uh, Tom Brady's chance at another Super Bowl shot. Apparently, NFL.com writers, Greg Rosensall and Charlie Classery, among others, are saying that. They're on the side that this uh, legacy is not tarnished, but many other reporters are saying that the Brady-Belichick legacy decade of dominance is slowly coming to an end. Are you a firm believer in that?
1: Um, I think they'll still be up there for a few more years. I mean, you look at the division, it's not great. The only team that I really think will give them any tr- anything close to trouble because the Jets are a fiasco. The Bills are they're still a few years away. They still need to find a quarterback. I think Miami's a decent team. They'll be a team around 500 because I think uh, Tannehill could take the next step, and I think they've got some decent players on that team. But, uh, you know, the Patriots, I still think, are far and away the class of the division. And now it's interesting what they've done is that earlier when they won the Super Bowl, like, they weren't the flashiest team. They didn't win a huge amount of games before going to the Super Bowl. But now they're, like, they're the – they are a flashy team, put up a lot of points, throw for a lot of yards, won a lot of regular season games, but they haven't won in the Super Bowl since Spygate. And that was how long ago? So, yeah, I bet how we feel forgot about the Spygate and that nonsense. So um, I still think that they've got a few more years. I haven't seen any reason to think that Tom Brady is really the uh, really key because, uh, you know, He's still playing at a remarkably high level, even as he's getting older and older. But I still think he's got a few years in him. I've, I've got no reason to believe that Patriots run is really in the end, in, you know, in the near future.
2: Most likely, I think this team's going to win the Super Bowl next year because the only thing that they need is good defense. Back in the day when they did win the three out of four Super Bowls, it had a solid defense, like we talked about on the show last week. Mm-hmm. Now, with the absence of uh, Rodney Harrison, Mike Vrabel, Teddy Bruschi. They've drafted well. They got Patrick Chung, Donta Hightower. They traded for uh, the Akib Talib. Akib Talib was a free agent who was a hurt in the Baltimore game, and that hurt him. And that did hurt him because Baltimore pretty much threw the ball over the field for that. All, the, all I think all they need is a uh, someone solid rookie in the secondary. You Vince Vince Wilfork still going strong. Now they have a great O line. Nate Soler's come coming uh, great after Matt Light retired. Uh, they need a consistent running back. When they had Kevin Falk the uh, Patriots are doing very well. Is that, is that who it was?
1: Well it was I mean they had Ke- Kevin they there was several teams when they, except for when they had Corey Dillon.
2: And then they had
1: after him was uh the guy from Minnesota, uh Morincy. No not Morincy. uh Oh Mulrooney. Maroney. yeah. And um but like Usually in those first years, especially that first year, it was guys like Antoine Smith. Kevin Falk was their third down back guy in the backfield.
0: And so they kind
1: of scrapped together before they got Corey Dillon, who was solid. And then after him was Maroney. But I think with uh, New England is that, you know, I think they've got some talented, a couple of talented backs in uh, Shane Vereen and, um,
2: and Stephen Ridley.
1: And R- Stephen Ridley. Really I think the they're both solid backs. Still, so Danny Woodhead. He still yeah. Still? Woodhead's still in the mix. He's still a little bit of a. He's kind of like now their new Kevin Falk. So, um, I mean, you know, I think they've got some solid running backs. I think their offense is great. Uh, they've got a uh, Special Vollmer. Their uh, right tackle is a free agent. That'll be interesting. West Welker's a free right. agent. Don't know how much money he's going to command. And I don't. I honestly would not surprise me if he's not back with the team next year because of how high of a salary he could command. And maybe New England will think he's uh, a guy that they could could move on without. So, but I think the defense, they do have some young talent, but they
2: still have not put it together yet. And so, but... um, I think I start with the coordinator. Because back in the day they had Romeo Cornell, who was a great defensive mind, not necessarily a good coach. But uh, during his years, they had solid defense. And... Well, and Bo Belichick is a defensive coach. Let's not forget that. Right. That's interesting. Watching that game, uh, a friend of mine pointed out to me that doesn't really coach the offense. Brady's on the field doing his thing, and he's on the sidelines talking to his defense. And they have Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator now, Mm -hmm. who uh, didn't do great at Denver. I guess he won six straight games. Of course, they ended up collapsing. Didn't do all that well at uh, St. Louis. But they have got a pretty good offense. That almost made the playoffs this year. I think the Patriots will be back in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Super Bowl next year, depending if they draft well and they stick to defense more. But uh, you uh, wrote something on your blog about uh, Darrell Revis. If you did or didn't. I, I didn't write anything about No, on the you blog. tweeted about it.
1: I tweeted about it because there are rumors that the team, a new general manager, John Isaac, is uh, looking at potentially trading Darrell Revis. That could be a potential thing the Patriots could go after.
2: Do you think they'll trade him?
1: Uh, I, I, I'm honestly not certain. Uh, I don't really don't know what the value is. Like, yeah, he's a great corner, but he he didn't really play last year at all. He was hurt, and so an ACL tear, especially for a cornerback, you know, that'll be something that'll be hard to come back from. So I don't know what his value is. I he asked for a huge contract. I believe it was
2: two years ago. Yeah. So when they had hard i that. I don't
1: have a problem with them lo- looking to see what they can get. I think they'll. I don't think they'll get as much as they want, but um, like maybe like a second or third. There's um, a bunch of mid-round picks. I don't know if they're going to get a first, and they're certainly not going to get a high first. But he is still an excellent corner. We'll see how he does when he comes back, how he uh, bounces back
2: from the injury, and if he can be as good as he was uh, before the injury. That's funny how the uh, new owner basically the Jets clean house except for. Rex Ryan.
0: Yeah.
2: And they, you know, one of the first things they want to do is trade their, I guess, once Pro Bowl cornerback, or I guess he still is now. All Pro corner. What? I'm saying it's interesting huh. how they want to get rid of him. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: I think they've realized that there's not a lot of talent on this team. This team really should be rebuilding, which makes why they kept Rex Ryan. It doesn't make any sense at all. You so, hate that. And so I really think that they're going to look to, uh, at least see what the market is for Darrell Reeves. Ultimately, though, I don't think they're going to trade him, but if they can find a decent offer, they just may.
2: That'd be interesting just to look out for it. uh Revis Island could be a new place other than the Big Apple. Are you going to watch the Pro Bowl this weekend?
1: No, absolutely not. Do you think Probably. we
2: should get rid of it? We talked about it last year saying, I just thought they, they should or at least change it to be like the NBA All-Star game. Have you Has your opinion changed on that in the well, year's Well, I mean,
1: I, I think that it's a sport where you're going to have a game. It's, um... You know, there's no reason for it. I mean, yeah, people will watch it, but you put anything connected with the NFL, people will watch it. People will watch anything like that. So the whole argument that a lot of people watch it, yeah, because there's also nothing else on. That's why people will watch it, because there's really not much else on. It's, you know, it's the NFL. So even though it's a pro, but I mean, nobody takes it seriously at all. The game is a complete farce. There's no reason to continue to have it. The only, uh, you know, justification that they they are getting, they do get good rate, very good ratings for it. But you know what? I mean, the game sucks. Uh, the players really don't want to play in it. It's just the whole thing of going in Hawaii. So I, I don't see any reason to go for it. I mean, it's it's going to be a sport where there's never going to be a really good all-star game because it's such a physical game and there's such a high risk of injury. Well, I mean, the NBA All-Star Game and the NHL All-Star Games are fun because nobody plays defense and everyone just throws uh, alley-oops off the backboard or just insane trick shots with no defense in the NHL All-Star Game. The MLB All-Star Game is still by far the best because you have players that actually play hard, but it is fun. And, but players treat it like a real game, even though it's been diluted because of interleague play. And that insane rule that the winner gets home field advantage in
0: the World Series. So the NFL
1: Pro Bowl, scrap it, get rid of it. If you want to bring back like these, kind of like a skills kind of thing, if you want to do something like that, that's fine. But uh, I mean, the Pro Bowl, I mean, the Pro Bowl is a joke.
2: Anyway. So what college does that. They have uh, some. Uh, no, I mean they have the Senior Bowl, obviously, in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, the Shrine East-West Shrine Game. Yeah. And uh, they have some. Skills challenges. That's actually where I first saw Joe Flacco on uh, TV. Him and Colt Brennan were going after the uh,
0: mm-hmm. longest
2: accuracy competition. That's when I thought, hmm, "This Flacco guy could be a good quarterback, young kid out of Delaware." And look at him now. Are you surprised Randy Moss had the opportunity to win a Super Bowl? Um, I really not. I
1: think that he's actually done a great job this year. He's um, in terms of that he's fit in. He hasn't been a problem at all. He's come back. He's given him solid playing time, he's been a good deep threat for him. So and he's been helpful for the offense. But I think he's realized. I think he's realized that he's no longer the top guy. He's no longer the center of attention. He's now a supporting player. And I really think you've seen a lot of growth out of him. To where the last time when he flamed out of the league with the nonsense with the Titans,
2: and then after you know, that was after team. his New stint,
1: right? Yeah, and I mean he was because Oakland fit with the. Was awful. That was just a mess. Then he went to New England, which completely rejuvenated. Was awesome. Then toward the end, lost, but I really think that he's, you know, he's looking for that Super Bowl ring. So he's kept his mouth shut. He's been a good teammate. And so I think it was a solid. It was a good move. It was a, definitely a risk, but I think the risk has come with the reward. And I think that he knows that in order to win a Super Bowl, you know, you got to be a team player. like this.
2: Right, And speaking on the topic of All Star games, the NBA announced the reserves for the 2013 All-Star Games uh, in February. I guess this is the 15th in Houston. Uh, among notables, which caught my eye, was uh, Tim Duncan on the West All-Stars and uh, David Lee of the Warriors. As our good friend Charles Barkley noted last night when the Suns were playing Lob City and the Clippers, yeah. players like uh, J.R. Smith of the Knicks weren't chosen, Steph Curry wasn't chosen, Yeah. That was- and another big thing that uh, Sir Charles wanted was... a. Uh, Jamal Crawford, arguably probably going to win the Sixth Man of the Year award for the Clippers. Your thoughts on some of the reserves that are chosen? I
1: mean, I'm not getting the argument that J.R. Smith or Jamal Crawford should have made it. I mean, basically the whole argument behind them is that, oh, they're bench guys, and they may never get one. They both have had really good years and are key parts of their team's success, but they have also have been very up and down, and neither of them has played that well over the past month, month and a half. So and like you know, when you talk about those guys, who are you taking out to putting in? You know, who are you gonna you know take out from them? The fact that uh uh Tim Duncan, he I, I don't get where you're because he's had a he's had his best year in years. He's been great this year. In fact I would uh i actually have him starting over Dwight Howard because now there's no longer the, actually, Howard Howard. Yeah,
0: because,
1: yeah, and there's no longer the center thing. Is now just a third front court guy. So you can start, like they have in the East, three three forwards, which they are doing. So, I mean, Stephen Curry, that is, I think, by far. I mean, David Lee definitely – I have no problem with David Lee, but but on there. But Stephen Curry has been the best player on this Warriors team. He's been awesome this year. A huge reason why they broke through. Another guy that I'm – Nats, uh, I don't like they didn't make it, was uh, Brooke Lopez of the Nets.
2: Um, he's yeah, had a, Nets. He's had a very good year this year. I even mad on Twitter about that, how uh, no Brooklyn Nets were chosen in the All-Star game. I mean, and
1: the reasoning was that, that a couple guys put out was, I think it was Bark uh, Chuck and uh, Kenny Smith, was that the coaches kind of wanted to penalize Brooklyn for firing Avery Johnson and that they didn't put anybody there, which, I mean... That reasoning does sound a little hazy, even though I do think that it is certainly possible. I'd put him on there. I'd certainly put him on over before Chris Bosh. But besides that, in terms of the guys that are on the list, I really think that the, uh, the coaches, they did a pretty good job. But Stephen Curry, that's just, that's just a crime. And Brooke Lopez, I really think, should be on there as well. But uh, overall, I think they uh is a good lie. I mean, actually, actually, oh, another thing. Garnett should not be starting. Absolutely I mean,
2: not. If, you, if Absolutely you put him on the not.
1: all-star team as like, you know, a bench good guy off the bench, that's fine, but I mean, he's had a decent year. I mean, he's clearly he's getting old. He's up there He's in the like I've said, twilight of his career. He shouldn't be starting. But um I'd put Chandler as a starter ahead of him. Uh Noah, if you want to throw in another forward? Uh you could throw in um
2: uh, actually, that's really just it. So like either you know, those really two, guys. or
1: even Brook Lopez before Kevin Garnett. But uh, I mean, Kevin Garnett is an all-star. I don't really have a problem with. Him. He shouldn't be starting,
0: though. Yeah, no, I'm
2: surprised if uh, I can understand Paul George because he's had a great season yeah. with the Pacers. He's been tremendous. I'm surprised, multiple guys on that Pacer team. I guess um, Danny Granger would have made it. Him being hurt, it'd be interesting to see what the coaches do with Lou Aldame because he's hurt.
0: Yeah. He hurt himself
2: against uh, Boston a couple of days ago. Yep. And, uh, Drew Holiday, I'm really surprised at that the, the two guards of, uh, Holiday and Kyrie Irving, I understand, uh, CEDs, so, um, Sweet yep. baby Kyrie made the yep. All-Star game. As he should. He's uh, had a uh, great year with the Cavaliers. Yes. But, um, not a lot of good players. Shows how kind of weak the East is. If we really are blanking on a lot of people. Yeah. The West, though, you can pick and choose anyone. Uh, I, mean, I have no beef that Dirk Nowitzki didn't get chosen, because obviously he has been hurt the majority of the season.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, Westbrook, Zach Randolph, Tony Parker, uh, James Harden of the Rockets is a good decision. But uh, I'm a little upset with the starters, because I don't like it how there's multiple guys on one team. I guess they're the best players in the league. Yeah. But I, I, I could agree with you how Tim Duncan could be starting.
1: Yeah. Cause he's like I said, he's he's another guy that his numbers, especially in the last few years, haven't been great. That's because he's the perfect guy that he'll do whatever his team needs him. The team only needs like you know, fifteen and ten. That's fine. But if he'll they get need, it so easy too. Yeah, and you know, no problem. And but if they need like a third, like a monster, like thirty fifteen performance, he'll give that to them. And he has been great this year. He's had his best year last few years, and that goes to really speaks to uh Greg Popovich and the brilliant coaching he's job resting his starters more, resting the veterans so that they're fresher and especially come playoff time. I think he uh you know well Pop is just he's just an awesome coach. I mean
2: that's coach of the year this year. Yeah. Are you, no he didn't Thibodeau won last year.
1: Yeah, Thibodeau won it. He's a favorite to win this year as well. Uh uh Mike Woodson for the Knicks. He's done a great job this year. Um Mike did that no, I'm just kidding
0: about that. No. Yeah, no What's no. up with the
2: Lakers? Yeah. Like Kobe and Dwight uh called it out in a very descriptive, angry team meeting. They're never gonna sort this thing out, are they? They are the problem They're is a mess.
1: with the Lakers, it is really a mess. Is that there are there's actually many things wrong. First off, I really think that they they uh completely uh gutted uh they fired Mike Brown for me way too early.
2: It was like five games it in. It was right? five
1: games in. Nash was hurt. So, you know what? They didn't like that. And initially I thought Dan Tee would be a good hiring because, you know, playing with Nash. But looking at this team, it's an older team. This is a team that should be playing slow. very Like as Bill Simmons and uh, Zach Long-Grantland said, this is a team that we should pl- be playing painfully, dreadfully slow based on what they have. Uh, second, Paul Gasol, Dwight Howard, it's not working out. Everyone's blaming Paul Gasol; he's being thrown under the bus. But Paul Gasol is playing out of position. He's really not a four; he's more of a five. And so, and it's and another thing that was noted: the Lakers have only played their their lineup of Nash, Bryant, Metta Peace, Gasol, and the Howard for like 115 minutes this year. Really, not that much. And the fact that Mike D'Antoni is giving serious minutes to Earl Clark is insane because Earl Clark's a fine player. And for what he does, he's all right for them. They really need their four to be a guy like Ryan Anderson, who's a popular trade target. Even though that's how good Ryan Anderson's been, New Orleans will not get rid of him. But um, because they need a guy that can space it out and make room for Howard inside. But um, I really don't think trading Gasol would be the answer because, He's really had a tough year. D'Antoni's been has done a miserable job with him. You can tell Gasol is unhappy and wants changes. They really can't fire D'Antoni because they already fired one coach this year, and so it would be a mess. It would just be a complete be disaster. D'Antoni once again, he was not he was not a good fit for this Lakers team, and you know the fact that the system his, the system is telling him to play Errol Clark. That's a problem. And Earl Clark doesn't help that much because he's not he can't space the floor. And Gasol, even though I do I don't think it's an awful idea having him on the second unit where he can work at the center, but he should be getting more minutes than Earl Clark. That's just that's just insane. But there's really and honestly, I really think they should explore trying to trade Dwight Howard because, you know, he can leave this summer and LA will get nothing for him. He's been
2: the root of their problems, if you
1: think about it. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. He's still coming back from the back injury. Um, he his he's not, yeah, He's definitely had some uh, injury problems. He's not looking as spry as he did. And I also don't think he's really fit in that well, basically being the two guy behind Kobe Bryant, who by the numbers, even though he's getting all weird on Twitter, he's, had, he's been having a great year. So I really think that there's a lot of problems. I, I would look at tr- uh, trying to trade Howard. They're probably going to end up trading Gasol and not getting much for him. But at least look at Howard so that Howard, you know, you get something next year because there are rumors that Howard's unhappy. If he's unhappy, then he'll leave. You are the height of just
2: too much, array. I know one city. Uh, one person is definitely happy. The uh, return of Jaw Wall as our boys from uh, Comcast Sportsnet. Buck Hansen, Phil Chenier, yes. commented last week when Wall made his return
3: for the first time since last April 26, the final game of the year against Miami. John Wall is on the court, dressed and ready to play. Wall looking for help finds Beal. How beautiful was that? John Wall for the jumper good nicely done well we're just happy to have him back on the court Let's see if he gets an assist here he does good pass to Bradley Beal It's something that we talked about ad nauseum before John Wall got hurt what this backcourt of Beal and Wall would be like John Wall nice move for the field goal, he'll go to the line. You let John do what he does best, and that's create. Use that blinding speed. Whoa, inside. Ten points in his first game back. After his last game was the final game of last season. Whoa, reverse layup. Boy, so that's back-to-back buckets coming from John Wall, both on drive that take them to the rim, and he is stoked. Wall drives, gets a little space, and scores. Well, that's three buckets we've seen him just break his man down and get all the way to the rim. And it's knocked away, stolen by Deal. Wall behind his back. Well, he had two targets. One was NeNe in the middle. Ariza on the other side. Beautiful pass by John Wall. They beat the Hawks here tonight by 10 in John Wall's season debut. And it was a great one with 14
2: points and four assists. Yeah. Wonderful stat line for the, not the notorious king of D.C., but uh, John Wall has returned, and the Wizards have won five of the last 8 Will they get to 20 wins by the end of the season, with the uh, Wizards clicking on, I would say, four cylinders. It's more like a used car that's had a new coat of paint, you could say. Yeah. You have a good analogy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was skeptical of how good band comes. From. He looks awful. Look at those pictures on Twitter, how
1: big he got. Yeah, he just did, did look like. And, I, and I've been a you know kind of a critic of Wall, basically saying that he doesn't really want to be a great NBA player. He just wants to excite people and do stuff. But he's come back. He's meant the world to this team, especially Bradley Beal,
0: who was struggling
1: because he didn't really have much of a uh, point guard play. I mean, I, noticed, I think it was our,
2: our good friend at PTI noted he cried after one of his losses when the Wizards were on that winless streak at the beginning of the season. Yeah. You're saying. And
1: it was tough for him. You know, he's a young kid. He's a teenager. He's
2: younger he's, than we are.
1: He's younger than we are. I mean, this Wizards team, I mean, they're still really not that good. Uh, Randy Women's a god-awful NBA coach and should should never coach again. But, uh, you know, they're on a hot streak right now. They've beaten the Heat. And Beat OKC, too. Beat OKC, and, you know, it doesn't make sense how this happened. But they're definitely showing uh, brightness for the future. But uh, I'm not certain that they're going to keep up this hot streak the whole season long. But I think it's definitely something to build for for next season, which they really are trying to build for next season or the year even after. So our
0: city keeps
2: getting more and more excited. You know, we had uh, the Nationals make the playoffs and do well. The uh, Redskins make the playoffs. Doctors confirming that RG3's knee surgery won't be as bad as it said. The uh, hockey's returned. The Capitals are back. Obama got inaugurated. You and I both went to that. Yep. John Wall's winning games. Things are great here in Washington D.C. As we'll take a break. This is Snack Radio on the BFL360 Network of BlogTalkRadio.com. <laughs> BFL360. We have uh, Dan Laporta to talk uh, his comments on the recent University of Miami scandals or the NCAA messed up big. And we go all crazy on college basketball. Plus, a little excitement to our Jewish uh, demographic listings uh, Fanatic Radio, BlockTalkRadio.com. basketball team for today. Uh, one of the many things in the NBA, we talked about the All Star Break, uh the, the starters in the last segment. once again you can check out the podcast on iTunes, Ben Foyne's Mile Gardner and Snack Radio, on uh, blogtalkradio.com. dot com. One of the things we didn't mention, uh they officially NBA officially awarded the uh, New Orleans Pelicans their uh, name. Yes. You were very excited about that on the on the blog. I, absolutely. I uh, they it was
1: reported about a month a little more than a month and a half ago, almost two months ago that that once uh, Tom Benson took over the uh, bought the uh, New Orleans Hornets, that he wanted to change the name to something that was more uh, indicative of uh, or sort of symbolic of the New Orleans community and the uh, state of Louisiana at large. Because Hornets, you know, that's a name that fits very well with Charlotte and not with um, New Orleans, obviously. So they chose the uh, chose the Pelican. Which uh, I mean, state bird of this state bird. State bird, and um, it's known as the pelican state, and they're just they're a famous uh, kind of symbolic animal down there. I mean, pelicans are like everyone's like hating on pelicans, but pelicans are feisty, you know, aggressive birds. Like they're kind of scary a little bit. They're they're not scary. Yeah, I mean they don't, but they're not birds you really want to mess with. And I really like the logo. I think, the, uh, can't wait for the uniforms, but I really think this is a good step forward because now it gives them kind of more of the local identity and something that they can connect more with the uh, local population because Hornets in New Orleans, I mean, really, it should be the New Orleans jazz. I mean, that's not even a question. What you know, Utah be? I don't know. The, Utah uh, Hornets? <laughs> Utah Hornets. I'm pretty sure there's Hornets up there, too. I mean,
0: because I mean, jazz, jazz
1: makes perfect sense in New Orleans. It makes no sense in Utah for obvious reasons. But um, I don't know what you can call you you can call Utah. You can call the I don't know.
2: Call them the Bonneville Salt Flats. I don't know. That would make more sense to the Utah Jazz. Apparently, Michael Jordan. Uh, this is uh, a couple weeks back when they were still discussing that the NBA was going to give New Orleans the uh, the, the edge to uh, change their name. The uh, MJ wanted to uh, get the NBA name back, so it could be the Charlotte Hornets, like what they used to be in back in the day when um, Dell Curry played and uh, Jay used to play the Hornets. Absolutely. And the team Doc Rivers was on as well? No, that was more the... Well, they, he might have been later
1: in his career, but he was more known for when he played with the Hawks. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the Bobcats, they just... Uh, I mean, I think it would be great to have the Charlotte Hornets back. But... Um, because, after all, the Bobcats are kind of partly named for their original owner, Robert Bob Johnson. And... But they also just... They just redid their uniforms, and apparently they, like, kind of touched up their arena to go with their new uniforms. Well, I think it would be great, but, um, I don't know what I'll end up happening. but I think MJ, I think he's making the right move that, uh, you know, wants to see what the fans want. So, I'm, uh, I'm
2: fascinated, I'm fascinated. So, thinking with, uh, team name changes, you were high on the parade with, uh, Seattle getting the Kings, ultimately changing them back to the Supersonics, uh, Sacramento Mayor Kevin Johnson uh, thinks otherwise, as on Tuesday. He says he and 19 local investors have said they have each pledged a million dollars to keep the Kings in Sacramento. This is probably one of the most interesting legal fights over a team I have ever seen. Do you think uh, Mayor Johnson will uh, go in with an iron fist and keep the uh, Kings in Sleep Train Arena?
1: Um, I really think that it's going to be very tough to keep the uh, the Kings in Sacramento, and it real honestly it really is a shame for those fans in Sacramento who have seen this franchise fall in disrepair under the Maloofs, who are just just a, just incompetent, they've driven this franchise into the ground. They've waited so long to sit in the to uh, stay in Sleep Train Power Balance Pavilion. Really, it's still Arco Arena. That's what it most famously was and what people probably still know it as. It really is a shame for local fans and you know, I give Kevin Johnson a lot of credit. He's uh, having to fight hard because Sacramento, it's a small town, it's a state it's the state capital, the state has got no money at all. And so it's gonna be very tough. But overall, I think this is a move that had to be made. We needed to have another team another NBA team in Seattle. How it was so kind of scummy, how the Sonics laugh versus the Thunder. But Seattle's a big-time market. They love basketball up there. And so... And you're getting big-money guys. Chris Hansen and Steve Ballmer who runs Microsoft. They're going to get... And Hansen's the guy that's been pushing for a new NBA arena. An arena that some people are thinking may have the uh, the NHL, potentially. In Seattle, I don't know how that would go. They already got rid of the Atlanta Thrashers, right? Yeah, and they're in Winnipeg. So there were rumors maybe at the Oilers, Edmonton Oilers that they didn't get a new arena. It looks like they will get a new arena.
2: Oh, get rid of the Phoenix Coyotes. Are they still a team?
1: They are. But you know what? Their, their fan base is actually kind of coming around. They The team really, really wants them to stay in there. They are they have a, a competitive team.
0: But anyways, I really
1: think it's a good move to have the Sonics back. In fact, last night I was. After I got there's There was a guy that got in the uh, elevator after me. He had a uh Sonics uh knit cap on. So how, Really? So how about that?
2: I actually have a, a Seattle Sonics hat. Back of my uh Y M C A team from an yeah. elementary school is named the ah, Supersonic. Cool so uh according to our uh, insider Silas Hill, he says the buy all the Sonics gear and buy all the Kings gear, it's either one of those will still remain or will change to be vintage. But um you're speaking of saying that uh, Seattle needs a team. Uh, one of the teams that is doing really well in that Seattle area is uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Well, that's really not Gonzaga area. They do play some exhibition games, they though, do. in Key Arena. That is fair. And uh, the uh, uh, Ronald McDonald House Charities Arena. Yep. That's but uh, going to college bas- – <laughs> it's a good segue, <laughs> which we try on this show. Absolutely. Uh good segue, though, to college basketball as comedy play has already started. And already a uh, flurry of number ones, according to, uh, as you'll hear as you'll hear in a minute, of uh, Dan Schulman on the call when uh, the Miami Hurricanes drummed the Duke Blue Devils four times this year. The number one seed has gone, our number one ranking team has gone down. Duke has been one of those teams twice. Miami head coach, Jim Laranega, former uh, George Mason head coach. He has definitely turned that program around, I think, in the two years he has been there.
0: But, b Flo, are you
2: surprised that, of course, with Duke, um, who was the other number one? Louisville lost to Syracuse. Yep. And then, I don't know who the other number one was. Oh, I guess Kentucky. Uh, no, not lost. Kentucky. Um, oh, Indiana lost to Indiana. Butler. Yeah.
0: Are yeah,
2: you surprised? Yeah, in the year. Are you surprised that there is a uh, parody with the number ones, or do you want that dominant program to be out front? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not that surprised
1: because I think looking into this year, there uh, you know are a bunch of really good teams that could win the top. But there's no like, there's no alpha dog team like Kentucky like was last year. Or Memphis
2: year. a few years ago. Yeah,
1: or the, where there's a team the whole year where everyone knows there's a team to beat. Um, I think there are a bunch of very good teams. I think Duke is solid. I mean. Without Kelly, uh, he's really their only, uh, one of their only big guys. Their big guys are really thin without him. And uh, you saw them they got completely thrashed by Miami, which I thought with Kelly out, the huge game for the Canes and their program. So I really thought that there was a good chance of them getting an upset at home. But, um, like, Louisville, their offense has been a mess. They're not getting Ishmith involved enough. Or not Ishmith. Um, Russ Smith. Ishmith was at uh, Wake.
2: Wake right. Forest,
1: I remember that. And, and then you've got uh, uh, Indiana, which is, uh, the problem with Indiana is that they're great when they're scoring 70, 80 points. But the reason why they're in some trouble in the Big Ten is because the other teams know that if they keep them like in the 50s, grind them out fiscal, low-scoring, defensive games that Indiana's vulnerable. So, but, again, looking at it, I don't see a dominant team, and I think that would be great come for the tournament because I think we could have a really wide-open tournament, which
2: everybody loves. That is good. Um, I could say I could say as of now, watching college basketball, since pretty much Thanksgiving, there's two teams that stick out, in my opinion, that could ultimately run the table and make the Final Four. The uh, first one is Syracuse. Watching them play Louisville the other night, winning uh, in Louisville, very impressive that, uh, of course, going along with the theme of Jim Beam, getting his 900th win and getting closer to Coach K, being the winningest coach of all time in men's, basketball, men's college basketball. Michael Carter-Williams makes that team run, and I haven't seen a Syracuse team this diverse with Brandon Trish yeah. and um, what's his name, uh, Christmas, CJ Fair. Yeah. I haven't seen a talented team like that, I guess, maybe a few years ago when they made the Elite Eight and ultimately lost. I think it was, the Florida, uh, it was Florida State yeah. or something like that. They got upset.
1: Um, I don't remember.
2: Possibly, a- but uh, looking at their oh, Final okay. Four team, of national championship team, they had uh, Jerry McNamara who shoot three, uh, Carmelo Mello, who, Akeem Warwick. War is having a freaking NBA MVP season. Yep, and uh, Keem Warwick. and a couple. Of, I think Luther Head. Luther oh, was Illinois. He was out of those uh, four guard Illinois teams. But, right, uh, but uh, if. Syracuse can uh, survive the Big East because usually the team that wins the Big East tournament makes the Final Four. Ironically enough, uh, Villanova made it. I don't think they won the Big East though, but uh, I think it was Pitt. Pitt made the Elite Eight and lost to Villanova when Scottie Reynolds took it down and made it at the buzzer. UConn won the national championship and they ended up making the Final Four. The year after, Louisville won the Big East championship and they made the Final Four. Yeah. So be on the lookout for whoever wins the Big East. If they could survive the Big especially yeah,
1: because even if they have to do the whole four games and four nights, like what uh, UConn had to go through, they're a little cooling run because they they were playing that first day, so and that just made it even more impressive that they got super hot and went right through the NTA tournament, it took a lot of people, including myself, by surprise that uh,
2: they went that they won't won at all. Right, and uh, my second team is Kansas. Mm-hmm. And that's always, you know, a, a cop-out uh, yeah. group to say, but Bill Self, I don't know how he does it, but um, he is able to take a, a team of good athletes and make them into a team, not necessarily star players. Uh, the Jeff Whitty and the senior year at this is a KU team that chewed up and spit out an American University team. As expected. <laughs> and uh, But they beat Texas on the road. They beat K-State when uh, K-State was just getting hot at the right time. They went into uh, Columbus and beat Ohio State. So Macklemore and company, they are a good, uh, good, solid core team that could do well. And then you get to the sort of iffies, you know, the Dukes, the Indianas, the Michigans. Uh, they're probably the new number one. They have uh, three good players, uh, Glenn Robinson the third, uh Hardaway Jr., and uh, Trey Burke, who's leading the NCAA in assists, which is very impressive when you look at him. Very guard-dominant, though. Not a lot of big men. Much like that Illinois team with D Brown and uh, Darren Williams, but um, yeah, another team that has impressed me uh, that actually was the game itself was uh, the Gonzaga Butler game. This is the Gonzaga team. The, their only two losses are to Illinois, who was undefeated at the time, and yeah. they're doing well despite playing in a very tough conference. They went undefeated against their Big 12 opponents, which was Oklahoma State, who will probably make the tournament. A Baylor team that was ranked, and probably do if they do well in conference play, be one of the first four teams in that you know the not official NCAA with that first round, as uh, the new people like to say,
0: Yeah.
2: not the old school people like us.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. They, K- they beat they beat K State too, and uh, they played Butler, and a, that's a Butler team that Brad Stevens he should write a book, and I want to be the first person to buy it and get him to sign it. Yeah. Because how he takes mid-major players, and, you know, harps on defense and good shooting. And, and Butler won that game with a great defense, yeah, a lucky shot, but without their leading score. So Butler, and they play VCU yeah. this weekend. That's a game I'm very much looking forward to.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So even though they did just fall to
3: LaSalle
2: in a big upset,
1: I mean, it's interesting. Mark Titus, you know, he's great for a Grantland. He talked about why Butler, you know, how they do it. And they note that they're very tough to beat at home. They do get a they do get a fair amount of calls, and they do like all kinds of sneaky stuff. Like you know, they don't necessarily flop, but they do kind of stuff like that. To where if you're gonna if you're gonna be physical with them, they'll be like, all right, you're gonna play that way. And another thing they love to do is they love to pull the chair out when guys are posting up. Which when it, it's done well, it's like the funniest thing ever. What do you me
2: pull it up. Like if
1: a guy's posting up and you're like like that, like the defender, if you like let go, the guy like thinks you're there, so you fall back. I'll send. I'll show you some great videos of it. Actually, posted one of uh, a young Roy Hibbert against Kenny Martin, um, and it's it's hilarious. And and another team I don't think you mentioned them that I think are really good, and they just blew out. But I think, I mean, a Missouri team that doesn't have Lawrence Bowers, but I still think it's a solid team, is Florida. Florida has been great this year. I think they're, they're far and away the best team in the SEC.
2: They're underrated, too. They're
1: very underrated. Not a lot of people are talking about them. Billy Donovan, he knows what to do to win in March. This is a very good team. They've, they're, they've done, been there and done that. They uh, had a decent run last year. I mean, they were helped by Missouri falling early. Because then they got Norfolk State when Norfolk State played like Norfolk State, and they crushed them.
2: But they yeah. yeah.
1: killed them. So, I, and you know what? I think this is a Florida team that I think a lot of people were not uh, don't have a close and a buy on, and I think they could really do some damage come March. I would not be surprised if uh, Billy
2: Donovan gets another title. Yeah, because it's a very weak SEC. Yeah, which I'm um, surprised that Missouri got killed by them, considering yeah. they. Uh, yeah, of course, they win the Pauly Pavilion against a, a pretty up-and-down UCLA team that beat Arizona last year, which was a big win yeah. for them, uh, much to Todd uh, Tomatoes' boy, Bill Walton. But I don't know why he's still sticking around on the call of ESPN, but I digress yeah, he, on he that. He came
1: back. He's been great. I love it. I
2: miss Bill Walton. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Bill Walton's great. He's a clown. But you know what's interesting? That Missouri team, uh, for NCAA, it's time for NCAA allegations show. Uh, we will go off the air shortly on the live, but once again, you can catch the podcast on iTunes, go to blogtalkradio.com slash radio or like us on Facebook to listen to the exclusive content that we'll be saying after, as it's some pretty good nuggets coming up, uh, also uh, tweets from Flo. But looking at the uh, new allegations that have come up, apparently Frank Hayes is going to be uh, facing charges of the NCAA for stuff he did when he was back at Miami and the NCAA is saying this could leak over to him at Missouri. So you already
0: lose one of your best
2: players. I think it was Michael Dixon who quit uh, when he had a sexual assault case uh, back in December. Yeah, that was that whole thing was
0: bad. He was actually,
2: fun
1: fact, he was on the uh, ticket for the game against South Carolina. Like, it was him on the, on the ticket because I had some friends that were at the game, and they struggled to get by uh, South Carolina, which, you know, I must say, Frank Martin might be the scariest guy on earth. So, scarier than Jeff Jones. Uh, yeah, because I think that, uh, Martin, you know, he is, he is a little, he's got some Latino fire in him, and he's the kind of guy where if you do something wrong, he will tear into you. I mean, Jeff Jones, he's a little angry, but, uh, but, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing by fish. I know, and, uh, I think Jeff Jones is a solid coach, but, uh, I think Frank Martin, yeah, no, he's, no, I would not want to piss that guy off,
2: because he would probably it's interesting that he's on the ticket. Uh, yeah. AU yeah, tickets have a uh, wonderful scenery gone. of uh, the American University sign, which has nothing to do with basketball, much to the uh, the marketing's uh, disapproval of that. But do you think this will come back in hot Frank hate because he's already done a great job at Missouri uh, getting into a 2C despite them losing. He has Phil Presley, who may or may not go to the NBA at the end of the season. He's putting up great numbers of points and assists. He had, a uh, believe it was a career-high 19 the other uh over the break, over Christmas time, uh, against UCLA, but then they have struggled. They, I believe, they're just inside the top 25. But do you think this will come back to haunt them with um, the allegations towards uh, Frank Haase?
1: I think that I think they could. Um, I mean, the the whole NTA allegations against Miami are uh, just a complete fiasco right now, which I know we'll get to with with the uh, the hateable Dan Levitard. But um, I think it will be a distraction. I mean, Missouri. This year, they're 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 very they're pretty inconsistent. I mean, they're a good team, but um, not as good as last year's team. But when they've got everybody, they've got Bowers healthy, they got Oriaki good playing well, and they got the guards playing well. It's a good team. Uh, I it's not a great team though, and I think that Frank Anthony's done a solid job. But with this, there were people talking about that he could be on the hot seat after losing to Norfolk State. And then after this year, depending on what happened this year, if he, uh, you know, with the whole thing and this whole thing, this will—I don't know well this will how this whole the uh, allegations, potential allegations, because there's nothing formal yet—will go. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on,
3: and it'll be
1: interesting to see what the uh, University of Missouri they choose to do with Frank Hayes. Yeah, cuz see if they have faith in
2: Hayes. Ah, see what you did there. Uh the saying they're saying it's inside an unethical conduct and failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance. Sort of like something that uh Billy Gillespie was caught with earlier this year. Yeah. When he was at Texas Tech and he ultimately got fired. Yeah. So interesting. Of course it's funny uh, they lost 83-52 against Florida just to tell the fans the score of that game. But um you mentioned Bailey squeaked by South Carolina. Missouri pretty much are doing very well if they were in the Big Twelve goes back to why college football is not my favorite sport because it is ruined. I would have loved to see a Kansas-Missouri game this year as well. The last year's game was very exciting. Memorable photos as well of after the emotions of Kansas beat Missouri at home. It would be interesting to see what that game was. Also with the Missouri team playing Texas and West Virginia. Let's see against Bob Huggins 1-3-1 zone, how that would work out. Yeah, uh, That would be interesting. I don't think it will happen this year. I'm thinking uh, allegations will come hard next year. So that would be a matter of the majority of that Missouri team will stay, or a lot of them will go to the NBA. But um, as Beefull mentioned, the, uh, Dan Lovicich came on the uh, the herd, your favorite radio show, with uh, your boy Colin Coward, to talk about the recent um, University of Miami football scandal, which could ultimately leak into other uh, necessities because of uh, with hate at the university when he was at the University of Miami. But here's Dan Lovicich on the herd.
3: Well, you can't know because these recent developments, you don't know whether to laugh at them or fear them because the NCAA, and a lot of people in Miami are hoping, well, the NCAA will just slink away because a portion of their investigation is contaminated. That seems unlikely because these people have to justify their existence. They have to adjust the time and the resources and the money spent in the investigation over a couple of years and it's always scary when you're looking for fairness from people who have to do things like that, justify their existence and and time and money. And, you know, in, in Miami, we've always looked at this, like, why is why are people yelling about the death penalty? I mean, we're talking about strippers and yachts, not NCAA violation territory. That's
2: Wednesday morning. Those are on ESPN Radio. Uh, basically, the bottom line, uh, the NCAA has said that the former attorney for uh, the notorious Nevin Shapiro, the guy who's, I guess, 20-year sentence for a Ponzi scheme with the Miami football team, Um, the former attorney wrote or gave a bill to the NCAA with, um, I guess, allegations or, or some solutions, and the NCAA is saying no, so they have to put their search for cracking down on the U on hold because NCAA President Mike Emmert said this is not the way to do it. They're pretty much, as ESPN.com was saying, uh, botching this, start taking the easy way out just to pound Miami. We're not very big legal people, Flo, but yeah. uh, what do you make of all this How the NCAA started taking the easy way out just to crack down on Miami? I mean, the school's already done your part to uh, your disapproval of Banning them, school sanction for their football team this year. But what do you see of all this? Yeah, well, I didn't like
1: the bowl ban because it came
2: late in the year, and I felt it was unfair
1: to the guys in that team because they did yeah, they had a chance to go to the Orange Bowl, even though they would have gotten crushed by Florida State. Actually, you never know if they get to Florida Good State. They're to an awful Georgia Tech team. Now this whole thing is just it's just so that the NCAA just cannot get themselves. Out of, they cannot get out of their own way. It's, it's you know it really is a shame because you know you have the guys in the Miami football program. They're expecting allegation or they're expecting sanctions at some point. They' looking they've been looking for a result. The program's taken the bull bands by themselves in hopes of uh, perhaps lessening a uh, lengthening sanctions. But meanwhile, the, the story now is that the NCAA, their investigation is a disaster. So, it, you know, it really is unfair to the program. I mean, yeah, they they put themselves in this situation by having the, the problems in the first place with Nevin Shapiro, which is a glorified scumbag. But, I mean, so it really is unfair to the program, and especially to Al Golden who came in, and he's done a really good job because it's been tough, not a great, a great program, not in great standing, and you have all these that's, soon to be coming issues that are just such a fiasco now. And then Levitar noted, like, the NCAA is going to have to save face at some point and justify all these resources, all the investigations. Yeah, just to save their credibility. Exactly. They this up. So it's just a disaster, and it shows that the NCAA is like just a
2: complete, complete force. I feel like it's going to end very ugly for Miami. Because knowing the NCAA and the bands they put on Penn State, which, uh, to be fair on that, a lot of that's uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily, It was football, obviously, but um, yeah, the money side. Apparently, Penn State is re-suing the NCAA. Yeah, or the, the state of Pennsylvania. Exactly. Is not
1: the school. The school is not a player in that lawsuit. But I mean, with the, like I said, with the sanctions. I mean, the the money for like a fund for a uh, for like you know the battered children. I got nothing wrong with that because it's, it, they basically equated it to one year of football-related revenue. I don't have a problem with that because, you know, these victims have been put through so much. But, like, they put all these the sanctions on the recruiting, the, uh, you know, the, um, stuff like vacating wins. Like, that's what happens when you have ineligible players. And so, yeah, they knew, Paterno knew what was going on. Everyone knew what was going on. And so, but like the whole thing of the, I really thought they overreached in that. So, but the NCA, it's it's a mess. It's a complete mess fiasco. They've got, and now they have no credibility at all. So it's just, it's just gonna, you know, once it hit the fan,
2: once it's gonna hit the fan, which it will, Lord knows what's next. Well, yeah, of course, no NCA, but they'll come back, uh, guns a blazing, and ultimately. I would be surprised if they gave Miami the death penalty. But interesting, we'll be following that story, uh, the Finac Radio exclusive. I think our boy Dan Lovett will be a part of that. Of course, fans and got the funk.
3: Oh well, uh, glory yeah. be, the funk's on me, Bob. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 1975, and we
0: we'll just
2: be keeping mm. the funk alive. Bro. officially time for our critically acclaimed segment tweets from flow basically we go to twitter.com slash 360 we're going to remix it today as well so look at an interesting blog post he uh wrote this, uh, this past week I'm going to get into the mind of the notorious Ben Florence he Mentioned how there was snow uh there was someone there's a tweet I favored I can't really find it but um you mentioned that you were born in the same hospital as um who was the guy you said Jason Hayward who is uh, the uh, right fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Are you really born in
1: uh, Yeah, hospital? in uh, the same hospital. I remember him being born, I remember I read it once. He was born in Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is uh, the town where I was born in, the town my father was raised in, born in Valley Hospital. So I looked up, was he born in Valley Hospital? Because, you know, maybe he was born at home or something, I don't know. And he was born in Valley Hospital, so there you go. And so, and, I, and I'm pretty certain I knew that fact before, but I just forgot about it because I was looking at because talk about the uh, you know the uh, Justin Upton trade to Atlanta. So and that whole thing. So, he joins his
2: brother apparently. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, so, was saying no yeah, so it's gonna be it's an awesome outfield. And that's a team that's gonna be a favorite to win the World Series along with the, potentially the Nats. So the NL East is gonna be fantastic. It's, good on that, no. it's a shame that the other three teams are gonna be all
2: awesome. like the Marlins.
1: Marlins are going to be awful. The Mets are going to be awful. The Phillies are not going to be good. So, really, you're going to have two great teams, one team that's going to hover around 500 and not be that good, two teams that are going to be just atrocious.
2: But, hey, that's baseball.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, I've been interested to see what our MLB analyst, uh, Mike the Deal, has to say about that. Yeah. Because he was saying that. Along with our former analyst, Connor Trafton. Yes. Return. Our good boy, our good friend, who's uh, back stateside. Yes. But uh, you had a funny retweet of, um, of Mark Stein's retweet. Chris Palmer said, Barkley on Steph Curry, all-star snub. Uh, Sir Charles said, quote, I'm so pissed off my head's going to explode. Yeah, Very funny hearing him on the broadcast last night on
1: TNT. Especially because in the halftime of the second game. Because, you know, I'm liking that Barkley doing more games because it seemed that this was something you wanted to do because they're – rumors that he felt himself he was going to be bored and he was talking to SI.com, oh, I may, I may not be doing this for that much longer, which everyone kind of took as it. like, alright, yeah, but you've already done so much. So, Wait,
2: well, he's not going to do TNC saying yeah, that. maybe 10, 10. not do
1: inside the NBA anymore. Maybe he wants to do something else. I don't know. But that's why they're doing it. Go to ESPN. No, no. He would not work at ESPN. I mean, it would be a great hire for them, but I mean... And I think he's been solid in games. He's brought a fun element. I mean, Reggie Miller is god-awful. But I felt if he had like, a crew of... Well, I think, I think Chris Webber's awesome. I think it should be him instead of Shaq on inside the m Because Shaq's funny, but his analysis is man. and Or even Webber should replace um, uh, Reggie Miller. Because Reggie Miller's god-awful. And if you had to uh, do some games with uh, Harlan... Uh, Chris Webber and uh, Barkley, I think that would be really fun. I mean, it's already fun now with Reggie Miller just being, a, you
2: know, awful. It will be. I'd like to see the. Um, I mean, I Doug Collins is doing well at the 76ers. Yeah. I would love to see the Czar and Mike Fratello, the Czar and um, Marv back together.
1: Yeah, Czar should be
2: doing more. Well, I, I don't know because Marv Steve is a fantastic crew. It is. Let's see Steve Kerr with Kevin Harlan though.
0: Yeah, I could see then that.
2: Chuck as a three-man team occasionally. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I do get what you're we saying with Marv uh, and
1: because they have that chemistry when they work so many years together at NBC between coaching jobs, and I just think that on my video games, tremendous, too. Absolutely. Tremendous career. I mean, I love this art, you know, He's kind of from my area
2: and does Nets games, and I just think he's still an awesome analyst. Still is uh, interesting thing. Your uh, your background is still called the eagle, but uh, your other background is The Simpsons.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what the I don't get the fascination with my background on Twitter. Constant change of it. Yeah, you know, we already
2: gave out you know a free car last month. We did give out a free car. I mean,
1: I wish I got the free car because I like to have a car, but
2: I wasn't part of that decision process. Favorite show or just just because? Oh yeah, it's this, uh, this
1: my favorite show. I was watching some old clips and I'm like, wow, got it.
2: It is my all-time favorite show,
1: so I still think it's very good, even though it's definitely not as good as it was in prime. But you know what is not as good as when
0: it was in prime?
2: Yeah. True that. Uh, we both went to the uh, the mall to see uh, yeah. President Obama get inaugurated. Yeah. Uh, once-in-a-lifetime experience for myself. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we didn't go to that. Did you go in 2008? I did not. I was in uh, I was in class. I was, too. I think I was in lunch when he got officially up. Uh, yeah, in. I was in a class
1: right before lunch, and our class, we went together, because classes had the uh, option of going to the auditorium to watch it, and that's what we did, so it's good stuff. But
2: uh, speaking of that, an interesting blog post. Uh, good, uh, good Morning America host? George Stephanopoulos. Mistaked? Uh, be great. He is be great. Probably one of the best centers in the NBA of all time. Absolutely. Bill, 11 rings? Yep. 11 rings. Bill Russell for uh, Morgan Freeman. You can catch that on B4360.com. No. That's, that's just bad. You can't mistake that. Yeah,
1: I mean... How Morgan he Freeman did, wear a
2: Celtics hat? Yeah, he did catch himself. I mean, I don't get what... He did, did not...
0: On.
1: Someone actually actually told him. He said he thanked oh, yeah, someone. Oh, yeah, well, I think it was David Remnick from the New Yorker. But, um, I mean, yeah, though that was that was bad. But. Shows like that shouldn't exist. I hate those shows. But it wasn't on Good Morning America. It was just during no. the inauguration conference.
2: But still, I don't I don't get the point of those shows. Well, what, is it, what does it do? I mean, you get the point of it. Well, I mean, now today in you know, modern whatever it's called, you know cable, you have so many specialized shows for a show to talk about everything. It's, you know, it seems well, very, you
1: know, they're still very popular a lot of people watch them. You, know, you get your that's hard true. news, you get a lot of your soft news. I mean, the shows are really kind of dedicated more toward women. But cuz usually the first hour is more hard news. And then usually men will go to work, and then the second hour is a little lighter stuff. So
2: but those feel good stories. Yeah. About Timmy. And who just like makeover paid and
1: all that crap and all you know.
2: Which we, we today's show is on for like four four hours, so <laughs> which is a little much. But. Exactly. But uh Ben, what would you prefer? Would you prefer a Nike t shirt with uh Colin Kaepernick doing his uh, touchdown celebration. I have no idea what his touchdown celebration is. He scores, and he flexes his arm, and he looks at some tattoos, the billions of tattoos he has on him. Nike apparently released a shirt uh, with him doing that, the kaepernick thing. I can't wait to buy that. Basically pays tribute to a quarterback that was a no-name, is under a, seven-figure sal- or under a six-figure salary, mm. was a backup this year, gets his start, and is actually getting hot at the right time. Who knows how good he'll be in the future? Or would you want the prestigious New York Yankees Yarmulke. According to our good friend Darren Ravel, uh, ESPN Money and Business Reporter, the MLB and the NBA officially license yarmulkes for our wonderful Jewish demographics listening into the show.
0: Is that awesome? That is. That very is. creative,
2: though I have to say that. I do. I do like it. I do think there is a
1: market for it. I think it's a very good idea because I do see people with personalized yarmulkes. You know. Call it the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn that's or Brooklyn Dodgers and that's what the one on the right is. Oh I thought so. And so I mean it's definitely obviously it's for Jewish folks and not us. Uh, obviously. I mean I'm sure we could wear them. we look like morons. It'd probably be a little offensive.
2: Yeah. But it's
1: probably definitely aimed for they'll probably have a heavy input in like New York, the Yankees, South Florida, where there's a lot of uh Jewish transplants. So, but uh, yeah, good idea. I like it. I think it's a smart
2: idea. You know, make some more money out of it. Why the hell not? It's funny though. Shout out, shout out to our demographics. Go and buy one, it's worth the investment. Uh, looking at college basketball games this week, guys, we need to touch on uh, Johnny Holiday. will be on the call as number one. I guess they won't be number one as of Sunday, but Duke Blue that was going. Uh, Still number one right now. Maryland goes to Duke. That'll be on CBS. Very exciting game. Not a lot of ranked-on-ranked opponents as we're sort of in the middle of a yeah, uh, conference Not point. as much as we had this past Saturday, which was awesome. Great games this past Saturday. Uh, intriguing matchups, though. Louisville at Georgetown. They'll be here in D.C. Yep. tomorrow, noon Eastern. Uh, Georgetown up and down, had some bad losses, had some good losses, crushed Pittsburgh the other night. Interesting to see how they do against Louisville. Uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is actually... I, have no, I think they're one loss in the Big 12. Shout out to James Fraschella for getting on the top ten of the number eight play. Not him, but uh, his, his roommate. Can't pronounce his name, and I will eventually. Uh, uh, transfer, he's from France, which some call is transferred. Uh, he did a nice alley-oop. His Oklahoma and Long is really implemented that fast run-and-gun style. Yep. And uh, when he dunked it, uh, my friend did the uh, rolling of the dice on the sidelines. Did he so, really? He did. Oh, and, that is uh, fantastic. It's good to get him That's on That's one of
1: the most underrated, awful dance moves <laughs> of all time. It really is. That, the lawnmower, shopping cart, I, I work it all because,
2: because I can't
0: dance. Good good
2: celebration. Glad to see is on the top ten. But our final closing statement is uh, the American University. Interesting enough, in Patriot League play, John Show scored his career high. We were in that... the Eagle would call him Josh
0: Really?
1: Yep. They, in the paper, guys, I, I took a look yesterday and a hat tip to Tyler Jermaine, the former editor of the sports page. It's proven that he's known the editor. Got in, got his out. called as Josh And on the paper and online instead of
2: John. So, so Josh. Well done, buddy. <laughs> Scored 27 points. Was one away from uh, tying a program record for most three. made in a game with nine. He made eight. Eight of ten. And they rolled over an A. After getting blasted up in Holy Cross, we called down on Inside AU Athletics. I said that uh, the Eagles get one mulligan; they'd always lose that one game on the road, to other than the Lehighs and Bucknell's, They end up losing the Holy Cross, so they're done with hopefully they're done with losses, um, surprise losses other than the set ones. But amazing enough, a parting shot, my final word is Lehigh. CJ McCollumless. Yeah. They go. They went into Bucknell and won. Yeah. One by three was it? It was a three-point game. Yes, sir. So five and zero without C J McCollum, very impressive. Yeah. And just
1: imagine if when McCollum comes back. Oh, well, I mean everyone's you know it's let's just be honest, it's going to be a Lehigh Bucknell final Patriot League, which is what everyone should want because that'll be a hell of a game. This is when these, these two great rivals always play. That's the new rivalry. rivalry yeah, they're not they're fun not to watch. Great.
0: Or they're not
1: the rivalry. I got totally uh, Bucknell confused with uh, Yeah, but they're definitely a rivalry in the conference. And
0: uh, all that, but yeah.
1: So, because a lot of people thought the Bucknell team was really good, they played Missouri. They played Missouri tough. They got an R- RPI in the 40s. See LaSalle, so Be Butler. Of, a lot of people thinking that Bucknell could potentially be an LR seed. Not that crazy, even though they don't have really any great wins. But so, but yeah, th- those teams are both very good. I personally would love to see them both in the uh, in the tournament. Because I think they're both uh, good. I think they can both uh, pull off pull off
2: an upset, as we saw Lehigh do last year. And Bucknell has done it before. So yeah, I mean, I could, uh if I mean, if Bucknell does well, maybe not a tournament, maybe good NIT seeding because they beat Arizona last year and they made that tournament. Yep. And uh, if Lehigh team better than 15 seed, I could see them about a 12-13 seed if they run the tables and go undefeated and win the Patriot League tournament. Then you can see Jim McCollum back if he comes back. That team is great. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Coach Reed, uh, definitely Coach of the Year. They're, fu- they're they're a fun team to watch, too. And I'm, and I'm going on a limb saying that because I cannot stand Patriot League basketball. Much yeah, like watching agree. our team struggle as they will face Army this weekend and Bucknell next weekend in Bender Arena. Next weekend? I thought it was uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, next night. will be awesome. a game. Hopefully we'll get the fans out.
1: Well, that's not the free burrito Getting that chance Of one free burritos. You best. got your free burrito Or I got a it, Or it's not you To buy one Get one free So we, when we do Fanatic Radio
2: Live From Chipotle I can get your free burrito Exactly Of course That'll do it For this week's show Hold well, I'm going to play The right audio I should myself Once again uh, Next week We will dissect The Super Bowl To the Instagram Much like ESPN And their billion analysts With Jerry Rice uh, But then Lamar Partwood
0: leader now Big
2: guy Barry um, Rice right. Chris Carter, Carter Keyshawn Johnson Primetime mm-hmm. young Sanders Steve Mariucci Chief and I will be live from Bourbon Street next week I have a cousin who lives on Bourbon Street, really? Street. <laughs> So hopefully they'll let us in uh, The Super Bowl festivities There's Ravens will face 49ers Harbaugh Bowl Number one Enough. All of us here at Fanatic Radio, Fraud Walls is program, Mark camp for B-flow 360, a notorious man I'm my part So long. Stay warm this Uh, try I again? I don't know. Just knowing whether I'll catch this again next week. So long.